Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Thursday edition of the program. So glad to have you with us and a busy show today. We'll get right to it. The show lineup for this Thursday edition of our program presented by Honey Baked Ham. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. Greg Mingeld of Hoosier Hills Hoops will join us. Greg is all over the southern Indiana basketball scene covering high school hoops keeping track of former standouts in the area that are now playing the college game, and, of course, Romeo Langford uh, with the Boston Celtics as well, and he'll stop in for his weekly visit coming up here in just a few moments. Also, later in the hour, we've got Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, so we've got IU basketball covered in a big way for you today in advance of Saturday's showdown in Indianapolis with Notre Dame, which should be a good game and should be a lot of fun, so we'll catch up with Alex here in just a bit. And then Matt Weaver of Peaks.com will be with us in our final segment today. Uh, I've got to give credit. I mean, I was pretty negative. I don't share a lot of real personal opinions on this program. I have always wanted to have good, informative guests and be somebody that hopefully has a professional outlet for you to turn into every day for the latest with IU and Southern Indiana stuff. But I was pretty negative on IU football. There was a lot of excitement. We dedicated a lot more time in the offseason and early in the regular season to uh, the IU football program. I could sense from you, the listeners, that the interest was there uh, with IU football this year. I was hopeful that things would be a lot of fun this fall in Bloomington, and really that was not the case. Once the season got here, very early on you could see some problems with the team, and then as things went on it, it just it was a dismal season for IU football. But with that being said, we've got to have Matt Weaver on today because, yes, we've talked a little off-season football and what's ahead for IU football, but I've got to give hats off to Tom Allen and his coaching staff. Uh, they've really done an outstanding job landing 2022 recruits and actually getting them – to sign, you know, so much attention during the season goes to what's going on each weekend with the scores and who's playing well. And of course, with IU, so many injuries and the quarterback situation, it just was enough just trying to keep up with that that you kind of lose track of recruiting. And I guess the thought was, given how things ended, man, IU football are they going to really be able to bring in some of these guys that were excited and had verbally committed to the program? And for the most part, I think except for one. Uh, that they were expecting to sign, and uh, they've, they've got everybody as of yesterday for the most part. So uh, a really good class, it looks like, now that things are somewhat official uh, for Tom Allen. He had his uh, his uh, signing day press conference yesterday afternoon, seemed very amped up about things. So Matt Weaver will be with us later in the hour 
uh, to talk about signing day and to talk about this IU class. And there's more movement going on, it sounds like, uh, with IU football and the transfer portal as well. So we'll uh, ask Matt about that when he joins us a little bit later in the show today. That's the lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget, you can check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And Always at the start of the show, we need to remind you that the Thornton's text line is open. Send in your questions and comments. You can sound off whatever it is, local sports, IU basketball, IU football, recruiting. Send them in, and we'll get them on the air. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of your best pick-me-up items that you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and their delicious donuts as well. All right, uh, one other note, Friday night, high school basketball returns to the airwaves here on the Big X. We've got a rivalry game, Silver Creek at Jeffersonville coming up on Friday evening. It's at Johnson Arena, and Jeff, one of my favorite places to call a game And I tell you what, it's an opportunity, not only a rivalry game between Creek and Jeff, which has been a great series in recent years especially, but it's an opportunity. Both of these teams desperately need a win. Silver Creek got handled last Friday night by North Harrison in a big conference game. Jeffersonville went on the road without Will Loving's Watts. They were defeated by Seymour. That's something that doesn't happen very often. Uh, No one loses to Seymour. Our local teams, at least they haven't, but it's a different Seymour team this year, and Jeff with the loss there on Friday night. So both of these teams desperately need a win, and uh, we'll have that full play-by-play story coming up for you Friday evening as we'll be at Johnson Arena in Jeffersonville. Let's get to our first guest, Greg Mingeld of Hoosier Hills Hoops, joins me to talk some local sports and basketball. And, Greg, I know your focus right now is is on hoops, uh, covering all the high school and even local collegiate storylines at HoosierHillsHoops.com. But I wanted to start for a moment with football. I'm not sure how much you've kept up with Keontae Goodwin from Charlestown High School, but uh, he had quite a day yesterday. He would, had been verbally committed to the University of Kentucky Uh, It seemed like he really was considering Michigan State as well, and I think a lot of people thought maybe the flip, the late flip in recruiting, which we see so often in college football, would be possible that he might choose the Spartans. But uh, as of yesterday, after delaying his announcement a couple times, uh, he announced at least that he was staying with Kentucky, and I'd seen reports last night that maybe he hadn't even signed the national letter of intent yet to make that official. But uh, it was a busy day for Mr. Goodwin, who has a bright future ahead of him, Greg. Yeah, it seems like um, we're getting more and more of those uh, type of athletes around here that um, that everybody, all the colleges pursue and uh, possibly has a pro career ahead of him. So that's exciting for him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll check on Goodwin here a little bit later in the show. Uh, I know that UK fans, at least that I heard from yesterday, on edge if he had signed the national letter of intent after kind of the back and forth day he had uh, yesterday. So we'll we'll keep close watch on that. Greg, let's get into some basketball here locally. Uh, We're getting far enough into the season, and we've had some opening conference games on the boys' side where we're beginning to get a read for things. And maybe just kind of some general thoughts to start our conversation today on what you've seen, what you've written about so far this season, and what stands out to you with some of our local boys' teams. Yeah, that's exactly right. Third week of the season, you start to get more of a clear picture. Uh, and, and I think this weekend and next weekend, we'll start to make it even clearer, obviously. 
and then a couple of weeks from now, you got you'll start to get a pretty good idea of who's who. You know, minus the injuries, the suspensions, the uh, illnesses that we've seen early in this season. Um, you know, other than that, you start to see that picture in the next couple of weeks. And we got some big games um, this weekend with the boys that, uh, you know, like you said, the uh, Silver Creek Jeff game. Uh, both teams desperately need to win. Um, uh, depending, of course, on whether Jeffersonville has their head coach who's been out sick or. Um, you know, their best player who's been uh, apparently suspended, although we haven't really heard. Um, and, of course, Floyd Central plays at Providence um, coming into the season. I'm not sure we would have thought that was going to be a big game. Uh, but Providence is even better than we expected. And uh, you know, they could be there on uh, on that same level as Floyd Central, but we'll find out. So lots of big games coming up this weekend. New Albany at Carmel. Interesting uh, couple of weeks for New Albany to uh, – play the number one team in the state to overtime and then come back and uh, just take a really bad beating uh, against Floyd Central. So lots of uh, questions in the air. It looks like uh, North Harrison, our our team of the week uh, this week after they beat um, Silver Creek is, uh, you know, the the favorite I would say in the, in the mid Southern conference um, along with uh, Silver Creek, obviously Scottsburg, um, in Eastern has looked pretty good. And, and uh, of course, they had the player of the week in Kate Jones. So uh, the Hoosier Hills Conference, uh, wide open at the top. Floyd Central is probably the favorite now that we've seen um, that New Albany and Jeff still have some work to do. Um, perhaps we could put Seymour in that conversation. They obviously have looked very good, like you said, 4-1 and one with their only loss coming to a very good Brownstown team. So Still some questions to be asked, but we're starting to see a little bit of a clearer picture in the boys' season. Yeah, and as we get through the Christmas holiday and get into early January, I think the picture will become a bit clearer because there's a lot of hoops to be played here over the next few weeks. There is no question about that. Greg, you mentioned Jeffersonville, and they've had a tough go of it. We're really unsure the status of Will Loving's Watts other than he has not yet appeared in a game for Jeffersonville. He's committed to Drake. We know what type of player he is and obviously uh, what he will bring to the Jeff team when he does return. Coach Grants has been out with an illness and uh, will be back at some point. Not sure that he'll be back in time for Friday then on top of that, I understand in the Friday game, the loss at Seymour, that Kobe Studemeyer went down at some point in that game with an ankle injury. And I know he's been receiving some treatments, but not sure right. his status for the game on Friday night. So a tough go of it so far, not just the schedule. It's been a tough schedule, a lot of away games, a lot of high-quality opponents for Jeffersonville. But they've been without some players, and now they're coach so far this year. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's like I've been writing this uh, last couple of weeks, it's, I don't, I think Jeff's the one team that you really probably can't judge at this point. Um, you know, I moved him down a couple of spots in our power pool and said, you know, I don't really expect him to stay here, but what do you do? Um, when you lose your best player, the guy that you get the ball to with the game on the line, uh, and then you lose your head coach in the same week, uh, it's pr- kind of hard to judge a one and two start. Uh, I lost the two pretty good teams. Not to see, I don't think anybody thinks Seymour is a great team. Or or beating them is is a sign of anything, but um, two pretty good teams. And again, we just don't really know what Jeff's going to have when when you move your best player, the guy currently playing their best player, move him down to the second best player, and the second best player now becomes your third best player when Loving's Watts returns. Uh, things completely change, so it's it's hard to tell. 
All right, talking with Greg Mingeld, he writes about high school basketball for the HoosierHillsHoops.com website and is kind enough to join us Thursdays to talk through everything. Before we talk about this weekend and some things ahead over the next few weeks here in the area, I want to bring up a big girls game tonight, Uh, the Silver Creek Dragons, who are off to another great start, and you begin to wonder, could they maybe figure out a way to make a run back Uh, when the tournament gets here and try to defend their championship in Indianapolis. But they've got a huge test, and they've had some big ones already, but this is a really good one tonight. They'll go on the road and play at Bedford-North Lawrence. We all know the power program that Bedford has had now for many, many seasons. And so Silver Creek, the girls, going to get a big, big test tonight. And I think uh, we'll learn even more about the potential of this uh, Scott Shane coach team when they head to Bedford this evening. Yeah, it's amazing what – Silver Creek's already been through. You know, they, they, uh, Charlestown was really good. They blew them out. They, you know, uh, Jeff and New Albany, they, no problem with them. They have a weekend where they travel to Bowling Green and then the Ev- to Evansville the next night and beat two really good teams in Bowling Green and Evansville North. Um, there's not much that they haven't been able to do, but of course, this is a whole different thing. This is Bedford North Lawrence is the, you know, in Southern Indiana over the last decade now, uh, the place where you, where you put yourself to the test, especially for a 3A team defending state champion. And there's no reason they can't win it again. Obviously, everyone around the state thinks South Bend Washington is the team to beat. Uh, Mishawaka Marion is one of those teams. But I don't think there are too many teams down here um, that are going to be competing with Silver Creek. I think they're, in the, you're talking about the postseason. The toughest games might be uh, Corden and Salem right there in their sectional. So, um, you know, they handed Corden their only loss of the season. So it's a, uh, it would be. I wouldn't be smart to count out uh, Silver Creek at Bedford, but that is a uh, that's a whole different level of, uh, of basketball, I think, than than a three A team is used to. Most definitely, uh, Greg Mingeld is my guest. Greg, a look at the weekend. You mentioned some of the games this weekend. New Albany will play at Carmel on Saturday. Another big challenge for the Bulldogs. Jeffersonville. They've got just one game this week. They will host Silver Creek before playing over in Louisville. Uh, in a holiday tournament at Western High School that begins December 20th and runs through the 22nd. And Floyd Central this week, uh, this is going to be a real interesting weekend for the Highlanders. They have a big weekend at Providence on Friday. You touched on the importance of that game. It's a local rivalry game. And then on Saturday, they will host Bloomington South, who I'm not sure it's the Bloomington South of recent, the dominant Bloomington South program that we know but they are 4-1 and one and have some good wins so far this season. So I think a big double challenge once again this weekend for Todd Sturgeon and his Highlander club. Yeah, now that Floyd Central has become the uh, the uh, local 4A powerhouse, all of a sudden uh, they're building up that schedule. Man, last week's was really tough too. They, uh, they've really put together a nice schedule that's going to help challenge them going forward. Uh, yeah, some really big games this weekend. Got uh, two uh, Mid-Southern Conference showdowns on Friday. Corden at Scottsburg, two good teams. North Harrison at Brownstown, obviously two top ten teams. Um, so plenty. If you if you don't want to go watch uh, Floyd Central at Providence on Friday night, there's plenty to go see. And, and like you said, obviously Silver Creek at Jeff is the same night. So plenty of good basketball to see down here. If you're a high school basketball fan, go find one. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, final note I want to bring up. Uh, Sean East, former New Albany player, uh, what a college career he's had. He's had some big performances, but he's now at his third school. He's playing a year of junior college basketball 
before he gets re-recruited. It looks like it's definitely going to be maybe a bigger school than what he's ever been at. I saw a tweet yesterday from one of the uh, analysts of junior college hoops across the country, and uh, he's calling Sean East a junior college player of the year candidate at this point and says that as of now, he's heard from Georgia, BYU, Missouri, Louisiana, UAB, Cincinnati, Jackson State, and others. Missouri and uh, DePaul recently were at one of the John A. Logan games. Sean is averaging 23.3 points per game and 5.2 assists per game, and I think I saw Logan is ranked number two or three at this time in the country in the junior college ranks. Big year so far for Sean East, and it's going to be fun as this season wears on We know he's just going to be at Logan for one year, so he will be making a decision uh, by the end of the season. You would think about what's next for him, and he's got a long list of suitors, and I'm sure there will be more to come. Yeah, it's uh, we've been saying for four years that what are these college, these big time college programs doing? Sean East is obviously good enough to play at those programs. We've seen it now for six, seven years that he's obviously good enough to play at those programs. Uh, this year he uh, went back to prove it, um, and yeah, like I said last week, um, there's no doubt that there are going to be some big time programs that that want Sean East on their pro on their roster. And of course, I don't know what's wrong with Penny Hardaway. He really needs to get in there and get a point guard. So uh, <laughs> and get in there and get him, Penny. That's a, no, that's a, lots of good uh, lots of good programs that he'll have a chance to play in. Uh, it's really exciting to see him do this because we, uh, we've we known for a long time that he was capable of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Greg Mingelt, you can read his work at HoosierHillsHoops.com. He started uh, before the season began and has all sorts of daily coverage, uh, whether it's girls or boys high school basketball, and also does just a tremendous job keeping up with so many of our former stars from the area who are absolutely having some big years in college basketball, and you can read regular updates on Romeo Langford as well. Greg, really appreciate your coverage and your time joining us on Thursdays. Look forward to reading what you have to say about this upcoming weekend. All right. Thanks, Matt. I always enjoy it. All right. Greg Mingelt with us to help kickstart our Thursday program. We'll head to a commercial break. Send in your questions and comments on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Quick break coming up. And when we come back, Alex Bozich of Inside the Halls with us. We'll preview IU Notre Dame. Lots of other IU hoops topics to get to. We'll take yours as well on the text line. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. Back with you here on this Thursday program, Alex Bozich inside the hall, always with us in this segment for the very latest on IU basketball and really the Big Ten Conference as well. Send in your questions and comments for Alex on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Alex, lots to get to. We'll get into the IU Notre Dame game here in just a moment, but I think fans still really excited about announcement that's a year out from this weekend and that's that Mike Woodson, in year two of him being the head coach, is going to play 
at Kansas, and Kansas will return that game in 2023. We now know what's going to replace this uh, series this weekend that comes to an end after the IU-Notre Dame game. Yeah, I think it's great news all around, not just for Indiana and Kansas, just for college basketball in general, because anytime you can bring together programs that have the history uh, of Indiana and Kansas and get them to play on uh, campus, I think it's a great thing. Uh, as much as uh, these types of opportunities have been de-emphasized in, in recent years, as, co- as conference schedules have been uh, expanded and uh, schools have, have kind of looked to, to play more guarantee games and schedule wins, uh, I think it's been uh, it's it's much needed that we're going to have uh, a game like this. It's something that's been missing on the schedule, quite frankly, since the Kentucky game went off. And, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that fans would rather see this than, than Kentucky, but if they can't get uh, Indiana-Kentucky, uh, I think this is just about right there in that next tier of a game that you'd want to see. So uh, props to uh, the Indiana uh, folks, whoever, you know, behind the scenes, I'm sure Mike Woodson involved, but people behind the scenes getting this game together and for Kansas as well, being willing to to, to do the home-at-home. Home. I think it's it's going to be uh, a great uh, thing uh, to have, you know, a couple, you know, a week or so before Christmas, and uh, it'll be a game that I think we look forward to the next couple of seasons. Alex Bozich inside the hall joining us. Alex, 10 games in for this Indiana team. They have an 8-2 and two record. We know the non-conference uh, hasn't been the toughest of non-conference schedules uh, or as good as what IU has faced in recent years. But you follow this team closely. You you watch every game very closely. You're at many of the games. What what are your re- replies or thoughts about this team kind of generally 10 games in? Is this where you thought things may be under Mike Woodson? Um, are there any concerns that stand out to you, whether it's specific players or areas uh, 10 games in, kind of where do you see this program here as Indiana gets ready to turn and head to the final few games of non-conference play in advance of getting into the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part it's been about what I expected uh, in terms of the, the, the wins and losses and, uh, you know, the results. I mean, there's some things, obviously, that, that I was concerned about in the preseason and still concerned about, namely the point guard play and, how that continues to evolve, I think it's going to have a lot to do with how Indiana uh, ends up as a team this season. You know, we, we've seen that when, when Xavier Johnson plays really well, that Indiana is capable of being a really good team at times. And when he doesn't play well, there's a lot of things that, that they struggle with. And same kind of goes for, for Miller Cop and Parker Stewart. You know, they've had their moments where they've played really well and had other moments where they've disappeared uh, inside of games. And, and, you know, I think we, we really knew what we had uh, in terms of the front court going into the season uh, from an IU perspective with, with Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis, and those guys have largely met expectations. But, you know, at 8-2, and, eight and two, you know, I, I wouldn't say that things have gone better than I anticipated or I wouldn't say they've gone worse. They've, in terms of the results, I think it's about what I expected going into the year. I didn't expect them to win at Syracuse. And I didn't expect them uh, to win at Wisconsin. Now, you can say that those are games that they probably should have won, especially the Wisconsin game, just based on how they played. But 
I think really, you know, this next stretch of games is, is to be honest with you, Matt, these next eight games uh, are, are really crucial and really uh, shaping where Indiana is going to go as a team. And in that stretch, there's some of these guarantee games, but you kind of look uh, beyond that and you look at, at, at who they're going to play here coming up. I mean, the Notre Dame game is obviously essential because uh, it's uh, a game that, I don't think it's going to help Indiana a ton in terms of potential uh, making the tournament, but I don't think it's a game they can afford to lose. It's a game they're going to be favored uh, to win and a game that they need to win. And then they, they have Northern Kentucky and UNC Asheville coming up. Those are games they got to win. But but you look at the stretch of games after that, uh, the, the first five uh, after Big Ten play gets it's going again. You got Penn State on the road, Ohio State at home, Minnesota at home, and then at Iowa and at Nebraska. I think in those in that stretch there, they probably need to win four uh, of those games. At minimum, they need to they need to win three of them. But I think they probably need to win four of those to kind of set themselves up uh, to have a, you know a, a really good chance to make the tournament because the schedule is going to get uh, pretty tough later in the season and Indiana you know I'm looking at that Penn State road game and that Nebraska road game uh, you, you look at the schedule and you, there's not a lot of opportunities that you, where you feel confident going on the road and winning and those are two of the better opportunities and so I, I really think uh, you look at this uh, at the Ken Palm page they've, he's got Indiana projected to win seven of those eight games so if, if they uh are going to have the season that they're capable of. I think of these next eight games really are going to tell us a lot. And then obviously they've, they've got some tougher games after that Purdue at home, Michigan, but I, I'm looking at this next eight game stretch where they really got to take care of business. If they want to set themselves up with a good chance to make the tournament. Alex, while we're on pause here, at least the, the college students for uh, finals week, and that's why no games mid midweek games, at least this week for the Hoosiers, uh, I'm curious, you know, through non-conference so far, we had that little window of a week and a half where each conference team played two games. What would be your review so far of the Big Ten Conference before we get back into things full swing in 2022? No, I mean, I, I think there's been some teams that were projected to be at the top that have been disappointing so far. I mean, you start with Michigan. Uh, they're six and four. They've probably lost a game, a couple of games that you expected them to win. Uh, they're, I think, still a team with a lot of upside, but but I wouldn't project them to win the league anymore at this point. Maryland's another team that is six and four, and you just don't really know where uh, their season is headed from here, based on the fact that they've changed coaches in the middle of the season, and and things can really go sideways if, if a team. Uh, doesn't have the right leadership there, and, and it's never easy to change coaches in the middle of the season. Um, but, you know, obviously Purdue's really good at the top, and I think there's been some surprising teams. That, you know, Minnesota's 9-1. and one, You know, they, they haven't really beaten a lot of, of great teams, but they, you know, they did go on the road and beat Michigan. That's a really good win for them. That's a, that's a game that, you know, if I would have told you a couple weeks ago they would have won that game, you would have told me I was crazy. So, they're, they're to be taken a little bit more seriously, I think, than what we saw uh, at the outset of the season. Wisconsin's another one. They're 9-2. and two. Uh, They're uh, very capable, I think, of finishing in the top four or five of the league. 
Uh, Iowa's another team. They're 7-3, and three, but they're 29 in Ken Palm. I think they're really good offense. Well, we had a lot of questions about them uh, in the preseason and how they would replace Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp, but so far they've answered those questions. So, you know, really Nebraska has been a team that's disappointing. Penn State, I, I don't know that people uh, expected much out of them, but, but beyond those teams, you know, I, I see a lot of teams that are capable of beating anyone on a given night. I mean, Rutgers, we saw that. They haven't been good to this point. They're 5-5, five and five, but they did beat Purdue at home. So I think it's going to be another wild year uh, in the Big Ten with a lot of, of twists and turns, and Indiana's going to have to figure out a way to, to get themselves, I think, somewhere uh, in the 6 or 7 range in the league standings if they want to make the tournament. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Alex, let's dig into IU Notre Dame a bit. This is mm-hmm. the final time that the in-state event will take place in Indianapolis. I know they're – our mixed opinions on that, but obviously this non-conference game for Indiana, uh, it's a big one. You talked earlier about some things Indiana needs to do in upcoming games to worry about, think about their resume for the NCAA tournament, and as crazy as it sounds, that's just how college basketball works these days, and this is a big game for many reasons, building momentum heading into the 2022 portion of the calendar, and even for the NCAA uh, resume of IU that this weekend's important. Yeah, I mean, you look at Notre Dame, what they've done so far. I mean, their their results are are really uh, if they hadn't beat Kentucky, uh, you would look at them and say they've they've really been uh, a lackluster team to this point. I mean, they beat Cal State Northridge, they beat High Point, they beat Chaminade. That's their three wins besides the Kentucky game, and they lost to St. Mary's, Texas A and M, Illinois, and they lost by 16 points at Boston College in in, in, a, in an early ACC game. So. You look at that, and there's not a lot uh, other than the Kentucky game that they've done to this point. This is a game that, that Notre Dame really needs to win, too. If they're, if they're going to turn their season around in any tangible way, uh, again, they need to win. But, but for Indiana, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be uh, a test because Notre Dame's a good offensive team. They're not very good defensively. Uh, there's a lot of things they don't do well. Uh, you know, they haven't been a good three-point shooting team so far, but they have some guys that can make plays, uh, particularly on the on the perimeter. Blake Wesley's a guy that we talked a lot about uh, through the recruiting process, and he's been a surprise for them early in the season. I think shooting close to 40% on threes as a freshman, I believe he, he hit the game-winning shot against Kentucky. Uh, you don't expect a freshman to come in and do that. But they've got other guys, uh, Prentice Hub, Dane Goodwin, Cormac Ryan, all guys that can make plays on the perimeter. And then their big man inside, uh, Paul Atkinson, is a guy that played in the Ivy League for three years at Yale uh, and then sat out last year due to COVID. But he was a really good player there, and he's come to Notre Dame, and he's been uh, pretty solid so far uh, through their first eight games, shooting something like 65% close to it on twos. Uh, not a great free throw shooter, doesn't get to the line a ton, but he's a guy that can that can really uh, do some things on the inside. So it's not that Notre Dame doesn't have talent and they can't win uh, games. We just saw them beat Kentucky, but they they really that's really their only game against a high quality opponent that they played well. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, I think it's a game that Indiana should win, uh, but. Yeah, I think it's a game that they need to win. But as we've seen in the Crossroad Classic, uh, there's been a lot of crazy results uh, over the years. You know, I remember the year when Indiana came in uh, number one and, and lost to Butler. I remember the game where 
I think it was an Archie's first year where I don't think a lot of people expected Indiana to beat Notre Dame, and they made that crazy play with Zach McRoberts and Juwan Morgan uh, to win that game late. So the one thing I'll say about the Crossroads Classic is as as, uh, as much as I didn't necessarily love it, I, you know, I liked it at the beginning and kind of what it accomplished, but I think as the years went on, I, I, I thought that Indiana didn't really have much to gain by continuing to play in it. But, but for the most part, I think a lot of the games have been well played. And I think there's been some moments that you look back on that were, that were really good basketball. And, and hopefully uh, we get the same thing again this weekend as the event comes to a close. And, and uh, there's some, uh, you know, I think a chance to get some really well played games and, and games that are important for all four teams that are involved. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Alex, I want to go to the uh, Thornton's text line and grab a question from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the texter writing in about your take on the progress of uh, Trace Jackson Davis's skill sets. The texter writes, when Woodson was hired, he told Trace that he needed to improve his right hand and also be able to move out on the floor and hit jumpers. I've only seen Trace shoot twice outside of 10 feet. Do you think Coach Woodson is really working on those things in practice, or is that on hold? Well, I'm sure they're working on it. Um, you know, the thing I'd say with Trace is he's been really good this year. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of things maybe you could nitpick in terms of Indiana, but uh, Trace Jackson Davis would be uh, near the bottom of the list, in my opinion. You look at, you know, I'm, I, I look at Ken Palm's stats more than anything else because I just really respect the, the kind of the the analytics uh, and, and how um, a guy impacts the team. Right now he's, according to Ken Palm, the seventh best player in the country in terms of national player of the year race. So he's been, uh, if you want to look at Indiana as a team, he's been far and away, I think, the most consistent best player. Um, I, I don't necessarily see a, a lot of uh, games where you look and say he needed to take threes or he needed to take longer uh, shots around the perimeter. I, I do wonder uh, if he could be more effective at finishing uh, if he if he did use his right hand on occasion. But he's also shooting close to sixty two percent this year on you know on twos from the field. That's that's pretty good. So he to me, uh, as much as you maybe look at those things and say he need to get better at those, the one thing he's gotten much better at is he's a much better shot blocker this year. He's much more aggressive defensively, and I think he plays harder. Uh, than what we saw uh, in the past. He's second right now in the Big Ten in, in block percentage, uh, 21st in the country when you look at uh, you know the, his block percentage on, on Ken Palm stats. So I, I, I th- think um, he's definitely made a lot of progress as a player, and I think Mike Woodson's been uh, instrumental in that, just getting him to, to play harder on a more consistent basis. And I, I think if he continues to play this way, he has a chance to – to, to be an All-American this season and, and get Indiana back to the tournament and then move on and, and be, uh, you know, a player at, in the NBA. You know, maybe he's a guy that has to start out in the G League or on a two-way deal, but I think if he continues to play at the level he's played so far, he's definitely going to give him ch- himself a chance to get drafted after the season. No question. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Uh, read his work, insidethehall.com, all sorts of good stuff there. Uh, on IU Basketball, and of course you can follow him at Inside the Hall on Twitter. Alex joins us Thursdays here on the show uh, to talk IU hoops. Alex, as always, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Have a good rest of your day and, and a good weekend. All right, we will head to a commercial break, come back and switch gears. We'll talk IU football specifically uh, yesterday's 2022 class for Tom Allen and the coaching staff. 
And uh, what's going on? Any more activity in the transfer portal? IU, at my last count, had added eight players from the transfer portal with more expected. That already ties the total uh, number of players that came in off the portal a year ago. So lots of movement with IU football right now, and we know they need it as they try to clean some things up uh, for next season. Stay with us. Matt Weaver of Peaks.com is next to talk IU football. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com. He's the IU football specialist, is with us to talk about IU's 2022 recruiting class. And, Matt, I said this earlier on the program, you know, IU football was just a very disappointing year on multiple accounts this season. So I've got to say, and I think the general thought is from you and others that know much more about football recruiting and IU than what I do, but job well done to Tom Allen and the coaching staff on the Hall of Players that they signed yesterday. Uh, IU's best recruiting class ever, I think. The highest-ranked IU recruits in two or three different positions uh, were signed yesterday. So despite how the season went, recruiting in Bloomington seems to still be going very well. Yeah. I said this to somebody yesterday. um, This would be a really good class after a 10-2 and season. After a 2-10 and season, this is an unreal class. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around how well they recruited, you know, like you said, coming off such a, um, or or during such a disappointing um, 2021 season. But, you know, I think I said in the past on on your show that if this this program can, you know, just start kind of, you know, winning some games and and being consistently successful in the field, I felt like they could put together good classes because I've said these guys can really recruit. This is a good recruiting staff and it starts at the top with Tom Allen and it, but it goes all the way down. I mean, the, the assistants do a lot of the legwork, and and they do a tremendous job. This is it's a really good class, and not not every single player is going to work out. They never do, but you've got a lot of guys in this class that have a chance to really help this this program going forward. Uh, you know, guys coming in who should help it right away and transfers, and then also some young guys that down the road should be some really really good players and hopefully foundational pieces for some good teams. Matt Weaver, Pigs dot com, our guest. Let's go through. Of the 2022 class, we know uh, McCullough and some of the other big names, but kind of break it down. Maybe the most important pieces that IU landed and signed officially yesterday. Well, for me, I, the biggest priority for me for this team was defensive line in this class because they just had they lost they lost a lot of guys, you know, to graduation and what and what have you, and some to to transfers. So you know, getting the getting the guys from Old Miss, the D line transfers. Dominique James, the, the the one that we I think he was one of the last guys to sign from IMG, the four star D lineman was just that's a monster get. And Indiana just does not normally get guys like that. So I thought the D lineman, um, the, the D line class is important. And then running back, you know, basically you got you've got two guys back and, and David Holloman and Trent Howland who barely played this year. Um, I mean, literally barely played. Um, and so and you lost Stephen Carr. And obviously, you had transfers to that position. So they really needed to get some old guys. 
and then some developmental guys, younger guys, and they've done that with the two transfers and the two high school kids. Coach McCullough did a fantastic job rebuilding that running back room, and he brought in some guys who you know, some, who have some burst, who have some explosiveness, explosiveness and speed, and then some you know some guys you can run between the tackles too. So. Those two were big for, in my opinion. Those two positions were, were really key, and I thought they I thought they hit it out of the park. And there's still work to be done on the D line, but they've really got off to a great start with what they signed this week. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com on IU football. Now, wasn't there one uh, four star or big piece to this class that uh, didn't flip on IU, but decided to delay signing and kind of reconsider some things until later in the uh, spring or later in the winter? Well, that's Omar Cooper. You're talking about the wide receiver from Indianapolis, Lawrence North. Um, and he's a guy that's been committed for a while. And I, I, I um, messaged why he committed in July, but they've been recruiting him for a long time. Uh, and I messaged with Omar. Uh, you know, we have a pretty good relationship. And he, he basically said with the, the OC change from Nick Sheridan to Walt Bell, you know, he just wanted to get have a chance to get a little bit more comfortable with Walt Bell, just maybe kind of, you know, kind of talk to him a little bit more about what the offense will look like and what the receivers role in that offense will look like. So I think there's still a chance he could sign this week. He did mention possibly wait until February, but I think, you know, Indiana is going to try to, the coaches are going to try to talk to him and his father and, and, you know, hopefully kind of ease any questions or concerns they have and, and get him in the fold. Um, and hopefully that, hopefully that all gets settled, you know, It'd be great if you could do it this week. Because if it goes into February, then obviously, you know, you got to try to basically start recruiting them all over again. Because other schools are probably going to come after him. So, you know, ideally, you get them done. Because this, this is not just a one-day signing period. Guys can sign yesterday, obviously today, and then they can still sign tomorrow. So you got a three-day window to sign players. Um, and Indiana can still sign another player too this week. You know, other than Omar, um, you know, to this class. So it's a three-day window, and, and they're going to try to work to get him in. Hopefully this week. And if not, then. You're going to have to work to hopefully get him in February. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. The transfer portal uh, so far appears to have been good to IU once again this season. Uh, by my count, uh, as of yesterday, there were eight players either committed and or signed uh, from the portal this year. Eight was the total a year ago. Uh, given the fact IU's already at eight, given the fact there's some movement from last year, there's some needs for this team, this could be a big transfer portal year, much more than eight players, I would believe. Is that correct? You mean they could add some more going forward? Yes. Yeah, they could. I, I could see them. I could see them adding somebody. I mean, Coach Allen said yesterday they're going to they're going to sign a transfer quarterback as well as a high school quarterback. Obviously, Josh Hoover is, was not in this class, and he flipped the TCU, and he said that pretty emphatically. Actually, it was not like we're going to try; it's we are going to do this. So, and I could see them. Uh, maybe getting another uh, transfer receiver uh, because their numbers are still a little bit down there. They're not bad. They're, if you get Cooper in the class, you have eight receivers. You really need ten, and you'd probably like to get one more kind of maybe guy with a little bit of experience. Uh, but I, of D-line, I could see them taking a, taking a, a, a portal guy. Also, the, the bull position, which is that kind of stand-up defensive end spot in their defense. Uh, Jaron Handy played it last year. Um, Lance Bryant played it. You know, I, I think they're going to try to get a, um, a portal guy to come in there, and also maybe a young guy. So, yeah, this could be they could end up with you know ten, maybe eleven portal guys when it's all said and done. Um, you know, I think they have seven portal, and then the junior college transfer gives them basically eight transfers. So you could see ten, eleven older guys if you want to call them that um, in this class. 
uh, talking with Matt Weaver, a little IU football recruiting, signing class, transfer portal, and more. Matt, how does this IU class that's been inked so far uh, stack up with the rest of the Big Ten Conference? I know overall it's really good for IU, and I've seen it be a top 25 class in some of the national recruiting uh, team rankings that are out there, but how does it stack up in the Big Ten? Well, it's, uh, they're fourth right now in the Big Ten. Ohio State's obviously what you expect first, Penn State and Michigan. They're kind of all, you know, if you go by the points, Ohio State's like 289, Penn State's 276 and change, and Michigan's 259, and you drop down to Indiana fourth at 217, and Michigan State's right behind them at 215, and then the next school is Iowa at 206. So Indiana and Michigan State are kind of in their own little group, and they've set a little bit of separation, but it's a, in the Big Ten, it's a very good class. I mean, if you finish in the top half, in my opinion, in the Big Ten, top seven or eight, um, you've signed a good class because obviously there's a lot of good Big Ten schools as far as recruiting. But to be in the top four um, and be right there behind those, you know, the three kind of juggernauts, it says a lot about what this staff has done. And, and you know, now you got to bring them in, you got to develop them, you got to get them stronger and all that kind of stuff and coach them up and then go get on the field and hopefully you know get the, get the program back to where it was in, in 2019 and 2020. Matt, I think you mentioned Ohio State, obviously, at the top of the conference uh, as far as recruiting classes go. Any big surprises or big winners yesterday outside of Indiana when you look at Big Ten uh, 2022 signing classes? Well, you know, I, I, a little bit surprising. I know their program struggled. They didn't sign a ton of guys, but Nebraska being last in the conference, um, at Wisconsin being 11th, Wisconsin usually is in the top five or six, um, kind of up in that area where Indiana and Michigan State are. So those are a little bit surprising. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting of uh, the top eight classes in the Big Ten, seven of them, all se- seven of the eight are the Big East division. Iowa, and for a while, they, they had the first seven spots. Iowa got a couple late guys and moved up to six. So it just shows you the imbalance on the field is showing up in recruiting between the West and the East. The East is clearly the better division, and, it, and you're seeing why. The East teams are recruiting at a better rate than the West teams, and it's obvious that it shows why they're, they're, the, the East is winning every Big Ten title that's been played at Big Ten Championship because they're, they, they're just getting better players. So, um, you know, but to see it on paper is kind of interesting. But, yeah, I think, you know, Wisconsin and Nebraska are not doing as well. I mean, even under Scott Frost, they've recruited pretty good, but this year, now it's a smaller class, only 13 guys. But, they, you know, being being at the bottom was kind of surprising. All right, Matt. Uh, with recruiting classes for the most part lined up, there could still be some some late signees this week. And again, there's a one day period in February, as you mentioned. But if there were some preseason Big Ten uh, projections put out right now, and I'm sure somewhere somebody is already thinking about that for next season, where would you place Indiana with what you know as of today and what you know about the rest of the conference? as of today in the conference hierarchy for next year? Well, I mean, obviously I would probably have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State at the top because they're generally the top three teams. I think right now you've got to have Michigan State ahead of Indiana because, you know, that the season they had. I think it's close, though. To me, the biggest question for Indiana is who's your quarterback? Um, we know Michael Penix left. I, it looks like Coach Alpha yesterday, Jack Tuttle, could be back. Excuse me. And they're going to get a transfer. We don't know who that transfer is yet. But who's the quarterback? Um, you know, and then I, I'd like to see the offensive line. But I think this team can be better. I, I mean, I, I mean, quite honestly, it can't be much worse than two and ten. So I think they will be better. It's just I, I would right now with what the information I have, I would put them fifth in the Big Ten East 
right there probably with Maryland, you know, just behind Michigan State. And I think they're still ahead of Rutgers. But, you know, there is the opportunity to possibly move up depending on if you get the quarterback situation figured out. And hopefully the new OC can help the O-line and that can be better. And, and if they are, I think they've got a chance. they got a lot of guys back again. And I think they got a chance to have a real improvement. But, you know, you got to stay healthy and you got to go do it on the field. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, with us today to talk IU football, specifically signing day yesterday and this week, really today and tomorrow as well. We'll see if there's any more activity for Tom Allen and the Hoosiers. Matt, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. That's going to wrap up this Thursday edition of the program. You can always find us as a podcast. We're an Apple podcast, and wherever you listen to podcasts, all you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report. Have a great day. We'll be back with you Friday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.